Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Welcome back to The Advertising Show. Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth, and The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adh.com. Advertising Show is a big Radio Midgets production. And today we have a very special guest out of Los Angeles, Mark Golston, who is author of a brand new book called Get Out of Your Own Way at Work. We'll tell you more about Mark in uh, just a few minutes. But uh, nice to have Mark on the show, and we'll have a good time there, Brad. We might even learn something, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. A lot of stuff uh, coming our way, too. We've got, uh, let's see, well, in just a few minutes, uh, Jeffrey Ginnimer. And uh, what he's saying is be known as an expert in your field. In other words, people, you know, people are more likely to do business with you and such if they believe you really <laughs> do, do do what you say you do, right? Patrick right. Meyer, new agency is his uh, topic, and he'll be uh, in the latter part of the hour for the advertising show. So how you doing? Well, I'm doing great, and uh, I see we both survived the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, so congratulations. And, Turkey's uh, gone. Yep, Turkey's gone. gone, yeah. yeah. Well, I would hope and so. And it was uh, uh, fish for me, but that's okay. I uh, came Actually, across you know a, what, Brad? We didn't have any turkey this year. We, we just didn't. No, we, we just did a brunch. That was kind of weird, too, as well. Uh, we basically didn't uh, do the turkey thing. I, I came across a term in an article the other day that says, and I guess that's what I am, I'm a fish vegetarian. Oh. Uh, no, a fish-only vegetarian. Okay. My wife says, I, I describe you as if it swims, you eat it. I said, that's not true. I don't like alligator. I mean, well, that's not, that's like not way to, or, or catfish. I don't think I'd eat catfish. No. Anyway, uh, you and I have talked about uh, Philips, uh, Philips Electronics as a, a, tr- a really progressive uh, advertiser in, in more recent years. They They're look incredible. for... Unusual and unique ways to to spend their money, and uh, you got to hand it to them. If it's it's just one thing to throw your money out there and and paid uh, measurable media, but uh, next week, next week, viewers. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry, that'll be this week. Uh, viewers will be uh, able to see NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams, and be able to watch more with fewer ads as a result of a sponsorship deal with Philips Electronics North America. The deal is part of a week long two million dollar agreement between Philips and NBC Universal that includes the Today show, two cable shows, and also a feature on NBC's Digital Weather Network. The effort is the latest in a push behind Philips' ad theme, Sense and Simplicity. The uh, company uh, will be the only advertiser uh, on the national uh, nightly news broadcast running three spots that will total one minute and 15 seconds. Typically, nightly news, uh, NBC, uh, NBC's nightly news carries 14 national commercials totaling seven minutes, so they'll be playing a few more uh, additional segments there for the NBC News, compliments of hmm. Phillips. How nice. Those, yeah. those people at Phillips are so nice. And conversely, there's a, a television station in Chicago. Uh, I think it's Chicago. Um, yeah, WBBM. Yeah. Uh, you know, normally uh, they start the commercials at 9.58, but during sweeps they start the news at 9.58 in order to keep the viewers from, you know, going to the competition and right. basically getting a jump on the competition. But what, what WBBM Channel 2 is doing, at least seven nights in the last two weeks, the CBS-owned station also dropped two minutes of commercials within the first block of its 10 o'clock newscast. On those nights, mm. uh, the news anchors didn't go to their first break until about 20 min- minutes past the, the top of the hour, which is huge. Wow. 
that is a long newscast. I like what they said. As part of the plan, Channel 2 has uh, also dropped the digital clock above the station's logo in the lower right-hand corner of the screen during the 10 o'clock news, so the viewers won't be reminded how late it is, hmm. and we don't want to encourage people to go to sleep. How interesting, huh? There's <laughs> one point idea. in time that you don't want people to know what time it is because you want them to stay with it. So, the, you know, they're, they're lowering their newscast commercial content. Obviously, this station is trailing in the ratings, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the early Nielsen say that uh, the station is doing a little bit better, particularly mm-hmm. among the uh, younger demographics, by subtracting ads. It's the less is more concept sure. on television. So it's a great that's idea. A, that's a very good idea. Hey, let's yeah. check in with uh, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. Jeffrey Gittimer is a sales trainer and uh, an incredible guy. You, you may even get his uh, his weekly e-zines and such. You may have even seen him speak, but he's been a regular part of the advertising show for, for many years now. So it's it's time for Jeffrey. Here he is. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Most salespeople stop at the end of what they call the selling process. Big mistake. They go through the same old crapple of prospect, appoint, present, overcome objections, close, follow up. That sales strategy will lead you no place but to another sales job where you can again reach the level of mediocrity. If you want to build a relationship, if you want to earn referrals, if you want to become known as an expert or the expert in whatever you do, this requires hard work that goes way beyond the sales presentation. It also requires study on your part. If you're not willing to do that, my immediate recommendation is get down to the post office, get yourself a nice safe job down there selling stamps. People line up and they go, 100 stamps, please. You go, hey, stamps, just made a sale, stamps. If your customers value the knowledge and the expertise that you have delivered to them, they'll think long and hard before they entertain the the dregs of humanity who also sell your product. You may also know them as your competitors. My challenge to you is to become known as an expert in your field. You see, if you walk in with information about you, you're a salesman. But if you walk in with valuable information about them or for them, Now, you're a resource. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer. Reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. You tell them, Jeffrey. <laughs> On the advertising show, Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth. I want to talk about uh, Mark Golston. Uh, the book is called Get Out of Your Own Way at Work uh, because Mark's got a great bio here. I want to spend more time with him uh, talking uh, during the uh, interview segments. Mark is a, a corporate uh, consultant, MD, I should say, is a corporate consultant who works with executive managers and line people to help them get out of their own way so they can realize the success that their skills 
skills, talents, and abilities deserve. After many years in a private practice, Mark now uh, works extensively with corporate clients, including Merrill Lynch, Goldman Sachs, GE, IBM, FedEx, and Kodak. He writes the Leading Edge column for Fast Company magazine. That's a good magazine, too. And appears regularly on the network news programs to provide uh, expert commentary. He's a UCLA-trained uh, psychiatrist, selected as one of America's top psychiatrists in 0405 by Consumer Research Council of America and J.D. Power and Associates. Now, Dr. Goldston is the author of Get Out of Your Own Way and Six Secrets of a Lasting Relationship. Uh, out of L.A. this weekend, and we've got uh, Mark for three segments here on the advertising show. Looking forward to finding out a little bit more about the book, Get Out of Your Own Way at Work. Yeah. You, you know, you can tell people. You can tell when people are uh, kind of tripping over themselves, wouldn't you? Say something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's unfortunate because uh, once you learn that lesson that you are sometimes your own worst enemy yeah. and you figure that out, it becomes obvious uh, when you see others that are, are tripping up and uh, and, and they tend <laughs> people that, that do that, and you know this, Mar- uh, uh, Ray, that, and certainly Mark will be able to shed light on that. When people do that, they tend to blame all that on other people and okay, circumstances. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Anyway, Mark, uh, Mark Goldston, get out of your own way at work with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here on The Advertising Show, and we hope you stay with us. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Back with you on the advertising show. It's Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, a very special guest out of Los Angeles this weekend is Mark Goulston. Mark uh, is a doctor, of course. He's a psychiatrist. He's also the author of a book called Get Out of Your Own Way at Work. Mark, it is a pleasure having you here on the advertising show. And it is a pleasure to be a guest. Thank you. Well, and hopefully you can uh, straighten something out real quick. Off the air, Ray was talking about how I'm always a pain in his ass, and I tend to think that Ray's always getting in my way. Can you help us uh, for just a few? No, no, we're it's not. Called a get gym membership, right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, let's before we well, talk it's, about. It's, uh, it's interesting what you just said because because one of the reasons uh, it's not a problem is because you have mutual respect for hmm. each other, and so so you cut each other slack. But there's few things that savage the respect of other people and your credibility than doing some of these foolish, self-defeating behaviors that we all do and then minimizing it. You know, minimizing your procrastination, minimizing your defensiveness, minimizing the fact that you don't listen. And when you minimize it and it's obvious to everyone around you, it is unbelievable how quickly people lose respect for you. And, you know, when you say, uh, you, so you're saying that someone's being overt in what they're denial, doing, basically. and then they turn right around and try to minimize it and, and, and basically say to the person they're attacking that they're making too much of a deal about it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the most common things is to turn things around and blame others. My, my, uh, this book, Get Out of Your Own Way at Work, was a sequel to an original one called Get Out of Your Own Way, which was geared to a general public. And the difference is that when you get in your own way in your personal life, you're not bringing a team down. You're not the weakest link in a chain. You're just sort of hurting yourself. But when you're in the corporate world and everyone is interdependent on each other uh, and the quality that everyone stands by is weakened by the weakest person, uh, it's, you really don't want to do this. You know, who did you have in mind, uh, Mark, when you when you wrote your book? Well, uh, it's interesting. How I got from the 
clinical field uh, into the business field. Uh, some people ask me that question. Uh, I've always done house calls to dying patients for 25 years. I was somewhat of a specialist in the area of death and dying, suicide, violence intervention. And what struck me as quite tragic is that I would intervene with families at the 11th hour uh, and help them bury the hatchet. And some of these families, talk about something self-defeating, I saw family after family that was still was angry at each other for decades long after they even knew what they were angry at each other about. They just held on to it, and all you needed was kind of an adult in the sandbox, which was me, to say, who wants to, who wants to apologize first? Doesn't have to be accurate, just has to be earnest and sincere. And then the floodgates just opened, and I thought, what a tragedy. And then what happened is some of these were the founders of family businesses, and so when these people passed away, the second generation would say, would you come in and help our business? Uh, there's no one left who's dying. It's just everyone wants to kill each other. Can you work with us? And that's how I crossed over. But uh, So I think it's geared, self-defeating behavior is geared towards anyone who is really talented, smart, and, and not successful to match their talents or their smarts. So how does a uh, how does a smart uh, successful person uh, get? Uh, well, l- let me take another uh, let me take another uh, run at this in a different way. If we are in, is it fair to say that we live in a less civilized work environment and uh, and and just overall live in a, a less civilized work uh, environment today? And if so, why do you think that is? Well, I I, I agree that we live in a less civilized work environment and world, and I think part of that is. Many of us have become adrenaline junkies. We go after intensity. We go after quantity as opposed to quality. And so everyone is frequently upping the ante and trying to outdo each other because if we're an adrenaline junkie, then unless unless extremes are being presented to us, we fall asleep. We get bored. And so there's, there's almost a little bit of our trying to outdo each other and not in positive ways, but often in obnoxious ways, and then we become desensitized to that, and then we up the ante some more, and you know, people sort of don't know where it's going to stop. So I think there's been a real drop in civility uh, all around us, and, and we can joke about it, but uh, it bothers me. Yeah, and you know, I think you have been uh, quoted as saying that uh, the problems, there are real problems that arise when you're more of a so-called people pleaser than than uh, than others. Well, what kind of problems are we talking about there? Well, something uh, I've been working with a number of uh, top CEOs uh, in the in the country, and uh, some of the most respected people uh, that that you'll ever meet. And uh, something that I've noticed is that. Uh, when you sacrifice being respected in order to be liked, you won't be either. Uh, and a lot of times we please people because we're afraid of upsetting them, we're afraid of either hurting them or angering them, and then so we often appease them. We often say things to them that we then can't carry out because we don't want to upset them. And if you don't follow through on what you say you're going to do, because you're just people, pleasing people today, again, that attacks other people's respect for you and your credibility in people's eyes. 
And don't you think today, 2006, with, uh, I don't know, just it seems like people are a little more savvy with regard to uh, people's skills and being able to sense whether someone's being genuine or not, that uh, there's a more tendency for people to, I guess, sense when someone's trying to just be liked and, and agreeable and so forth, and, and therefore losing respect becomes something that's just more easier to uh, to sense that that's, that's happening as opposed to, say, 20, 30 years ago when everybody was kind of nice. No, absolutely. I think people are becoming more discerning, and so they see through a lot of the uh, uh, ingenuineness and dishonesty uh, that uh, uh, that we that we all face. Uh, I'll give you a quote that I, that I uh, some of my workshops that people seem to like, but it may it may address what we're talking about or take us in a different tangent. Um, uh, a person who refuses to believe, uh, a person who is reluctant to believe, is a skeptic, and a person who refuses to believe is a cynic. Uh, but show me a skeptic and show me a cynic, and, and uh, I'll show you someone who was hurt uh, and betrayed and humiliated and doesn't want to have it happen again. But deep inside, all skeptics and cynics uh, are people who want to believe again. They just don't want to be fools. And so, so we've become, uh, all of us have become uh, more discerning, uh, sometimes skeptical, sometimes cynical, but down deep we don't want to be that bitter, uh, cynical person who spoils Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, but we don't want to be foolish uh, and believe the wrong people. So it's exactly what you were saying, is that we're, I think we are looking for uh, earnest sincerity uh, because I think it enables us to lower our guard, and most of us kind of live in silos uh, functioning but isolated from each other. You know, it's a, that's a very interesting point. You, you mentioned in your book, uh, Get Out of Your Own Way at Work, uh, that in a lot of cases we let fear of failure paralyze us. And yet uh, I think, you know, most people should know by now that the only way you're going to learn is through uh, failures. And if you, I guess the only bad failure would be a failure that you don't take away some kind of lesson. No, that's absolutely true. One of my uh, favorite people and favorite anecdotes in the in the book is uh, about Bob Eckert from uh, the CEO of Mattel. Bob was telling me that when he was the head of the cheese division at Kraft, there was a, a crisis in which uh, he and the company was accused of price gouging because of a change in dairy prices. And he told me that uh, he, he felt like uh, his whole career in life was, was just falling, uh, passing before his eyes. And then he was staring at the television on a Sunday and was watching Sam Weish, I think uh, that's how you pronounce it, uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals. And, uh, uh, and, he, and Sam had just lost his ninth game after having won the Super Bowl two years earlier. And the reporter said to Sam, so Sam, what do you think? Everyone knows you're going to be fired. And uh, you know you're going to be fired on Tuesday. What do you think of that? And Bob said it was as if Sam was staring right out at him. And Sam said, you know, you know I'm going to be fired. I know I'm going to be fired on Tuesday. That's not important. What's important is what can I do between now and Tuesday to make the Cincinnati Bengals a better team? Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Here's to good friends, tonight is kind of special, the beer we'll pour, 
Must say something more somehow. So tonight, or right now, let it be. Something good. We have uh, Dr. Mark Golston, our special guest. Get out of your own way at work. Uh, when I think of uh, things like that, I think of uh, The Office, and I think of Office Space, Mark. Uh, are you fans of those uh, television shows and movies? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I, I think we all work really hard in our day, uh, day jobs, and so any chance to laugh at ourselves or laugh with people, uh, I enjoy I may I may get into trouble for saying I enjoyed Borat Borat with my 16 year old. Uh, <laughs> even though people said you took him uh, uh, to see that movie, and I said he know my son knows words I've never inv- I've never heard of, so uh, he's pretty precocious. There you go. Yeah, and for those that may not know that that. Uh comedian that, that that's the star of that particular uh, right. movie yeah. that's a hit is uh, Jewish and he says that he makes uh, fun of his own uh, uh, religion and his own people in a way to get across a point and a lot of people don't realize that and they're offended by a lot of what they see there but the, yeah. yeah if they were to know more about it they think they would see uh, what he's doing there you know I think most people mark when they hear the words dumping and venting they think of uh, both of those as the same thing but yet you suggest there's a difference yeah, you know, uh, the, the difference, and I talk about it in the book, between venting and uh, dumping. Uh, venting is getting stuff off your chest, but still keeping it your problem and your responsibility to fix. Dumping is getting things off your chest and putting it on the other person and making it their fault, and they need to clean it up. Um, we all need to vent from time to time uh, when we're under stress because it, it relieves some tension. Uh, but we need to hold on to the fact that even though we're venting, uh, our problems and the solutions to our problems are our responsibility. Uh, even when uh, it's legitimate that, that someone else may have caused one of your problems, the likelihood of that person volunteering to fix it, uh, work on the solution, is going to be uh, it's going to be a long wait before that happens. You know, and today, do you find that uh, young people uh, entering the job uh, sector, others and when compared to, say, you know, 20, 30 years ago, tend to uh, sabotage their careers more frequently than we did? You know, Ray and I are baby boomers. You sound like you might be as well. Uh, you know, we were all taught that you get out there, you work hard, you're, right. you're not prepared to, you know, start at the top. You pay your dues, and eventually, uh, if you're lucky and you get the breaks, you make something of yourself. But it seems like young people today tend now. to be a little more, yeah, they tend to be a little more uh, expecting things to be not as not as difficult and more easily achieved. What is your take on that, Mark? No, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think one of the problems for young people, and it's, it's a problem of, of, of the whole age of being an adolescent, is that uh, they know much more clearly how they feel than what they need to do to sustain a good feeling. So in other words, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of uh, adolescents and young adults uh, will... Uh, will want to feel good and not feel bad, so they'll start something. And when the honeymoon period goes away in that new job or that new relationship and it starts to feel like work because it is work, uh, they'll say, well, uh, it must not be something that I want to do because it's no more fun. And so they'll jump around and do something else. Uh, and so they often uh, young adults aren't able to look into the future and see a path that would result in their feeling 
uh, happy, satisfied, successful, and fulfilled, they uh, they look more to, the, to what's happening immediately. Yeah. And, and I think what happens is they run the risk of jumping from one job, one career, uh, one relationship to the next, and then not really being able to build anything. And you know, I have a, a couple nephews that are that have experienced that. I've got one nephew that's now in a new career uh, after ten years of, of entering one field. That uh, apparently the uh, financial rewards were not what he was expecting. What so a now waste he's of time too. Well, so. yeah. I mean, it's it seemed to me that uh, you know you you spend all your time with uh, formal education and uh, college degree, and and I guess it's the lack of that long term. Uh, uh, view that you were speaking of. Do you find today uh, that that people tend to, uh, you know, your, your title of your book, Get Out of Your Own uh, Way at Work, and, and I think, of course, that's also in personal relationships as well. As well. Do you find that today t- people tend to create their own problems and are just oblivious to the fact that they are their own uh, creator of the experience of the reality that's before them and that they play a, uh, an everyday and an every moment role in, in creating that? Oh, I, I think there is a, a great tendency to deny your own responsibility. In fact, uh, there's a number of uh, tips and tools in the book, and one of the f- ones that people seem to like is what I call the never again tool. Uh, and what the never again tool is that is, uh, is an index card that you take out, and the next time that you're laying face down in the negative consequence of a self-defeating behavior, meaning you lost a promotion, lost a job, lost an account, what I say to people is resist the temptation to shoot from the hip and blame someone else, make excuses, or feel sorry for yourself. Take out that index card and write down, if I had this to do over again, this is what I would do. This is what I'll do the next time. And uh, also write down your level of commitment to doing that and, and write down a person who will hold you accountable to it outside yourself that, uh, uh, that you respect. Because the time when you're most motivated to change a self-defeating behavior is when you're laying in the negative consequence of it, and then, uh, and then where, you, but you tend to make it worse by beating up on yourself or blaming others or making excuses, and you really want to turn that pain into motivation. Because a day or two later, the crisis really, you know, will pass, and it's not as awful as you thought it would be. But you miss the opportunity to really uh, dig in and make things better. Dr. Mark Goldston is our special guest. Get Out of Your Own Way at Work is the book, and uh, we'll be talking more with Mark here in just a moment on The Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Thanks for listening. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp and listen, mister, how are you fixed for blades? Do you have blades? How are you fixed for blades? Back with you for one final segment with Dr. Mark Goulston, author of uh, Get Out of Your Own Way at Work. Also at markgoulston.com. It's an incredible website as well. Check it out. That's G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N.com. And uh, back with you, Mark. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. Yeah, and before we uh, we talk about a marketing-related question, you know, I've been accused by my wife and others of oversimplifying things, and yet I find that that my life is just much more uh, tame and more sane in that way because I do tend to simplify things because I tend to see that many others out there tend to overcomplicate things. And I heard somebody say the other day, uh, Mark, I want to get your way in on this, 
that this person was reflecting on the sage advice they had received from their father, and this was a, an older gentleman himself. And he said that his father had always told him growing up, life is nothing more than a series of decisions, and you make those decisions, and you move on, and either you made the right decision or not, and if you didn't, uh, you make another decision somewhere down the road to correct that. Is that, is that tending to oversimplify things, or is there some validity to that? Um, look, I couldn't agree with you more, but I think I would be in the doghouse uh, with my wife the same way as you sometimes are if we, <laughs> if we tried to follow that to the letter. Uh, I'll share something uh, with, with us guys and to guys who are listening in. Uh, when, when your wife, or for that matter your children, are speaking to you, the telling of the story is the data. It's not the story. And what happens is uh, often our spouses and our children need to tell the story so that they can get things off their chest, so they can vent and then exhale. It's only when we exhale uh, that our mind opens. So, uh, and the way to do that is to hear our children and our spouses out without trying to solve them or mm -hmm. figure them. Because well, we've never done that, Brad. No. No, never. No, we, we all us guys do that. <laughs> I know. And, right, And right. it makes us feel like, well, we, we've washed our hands, we've been responsible, uh, so what's their problem? Well, we've been responsible, but we haven't been res receptive or responsive. Yeah. You know that's that's uh, that's great advice, and I would think that uh, any man listening that uh, has a, a wife or a, a female relationship for any period of time or a child, as you say, Ray, uh, can really relate to what you just said. You've got an interesting uh, an interesting angle with regard to advertising and marketing coming from the uh, area of psychiatry and a, a medical background. Share that with us, if you would, Mark. Well, uh, there's a um, there's a usable insight uh, that I that I have, and people if they go to markgulston.com and they go to the homepage, they can sign up to receive these. And, and that that usable insight is, you want to be compelling to open, uh, and you want to be convincing to close. And what that means is when you're selling or marketing or advertising, you need to pass the sniff test of people's senses. People's senses are checking you out and what they really want to find out is do you get where they're coming from which will then earn you the right to their mind if you start trying to convince people out of the gate before you've earned the right into their mind by going past the centuries of their senses uh, they will keep you out and you will be seen uh, as a bore or worse and so one of the most important things is and one of the best first impressions that you can have with another person is, gee, you get where I'm coming from, and I didn't have to try that hard to communicate it to you. What else do you know about me? Hmm. And people then lean into that. I used to train uh, FBI and police hostage negotiators, and uh, these were uh, uh, experienced negotiators, so this was advanced training. And what I would train them in is you need to come up with something that will cause people to lean away from the trigger and into the conversation. Hmm. And so you need to be very compelling. Uh, and one of the things that's very compelling is being able to communicate to such a person that you get how uh, uh, desperate they feel, uh, how they feel like their options are running out, and how they feel uh, uh, that there's no good way out of this. And, and, and when you really nail where people are coming from, and they feel that way, they will lean towards you, 
and then you just build a road from your client, from your uh, customer, from your spouse to you, and, and you just keep that road coming towards you so you don't have to sell them or convince them. And that's we've got to, Brad, we're just about out of time here. Well, we have uh, Dr. Mark Goldston, uh, author of the book, Get Out of Your Own Way at Work, and also uh, at the markgoldston.com website as well uh, with a lot of uh, information there. Mark, it is, we've learned a lot here, but not uh, unfortunately don't have a lot of time to, to talk with you more, but that's the way it is with great guests like yourself. So thank you for being uh, with us. Hope your book is a big success as well. Well, my pleasure, and, and you guys have helped us a great deal. I can't thank you enough for that. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we've got more in just a moment. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Ella Fitzgerald. She's attempting to shatter a glass with her amplified voice. She did it. You are now hearing you, the memory of Or Ella Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> very good, Brad. And Brad oh, thank you. Brad is doing his Muhammad Ali uh, impersonation for our guest uh, next week on the advertising show, which is uh, George Lois, uh, the advertising icon. And uh, it's called Ali Rap. Muhammad Ali, yeah. the first heavyweight champion of rap. And uh, it's it's a it's an incredible book. You know, George's first book was a huge coffee table book. It was large in dimension, like about two feet by two feet. This one is uh, smaller, but it weighs the same. Yeah, it's about uh, 558 pages or something like that. But it's kind and of you know, so if, if the, I was just going to mention, Ray, excuse me, uh, if if people do not know, uh, because we've had George on a couple times in the past five years, if, if people don't know. Uh, not not only what a legend that George Lois is when he talks about uh, Bill, he's talking about Bill Birnbach, uh, yeah. as in Doyle Dame Birnbach. He worked uh, alongside uh, Bill Birnbach and uh, did a lot of the classic uh, commercials and, and advertising that you've known throughout the decades, including uh, work for Volkswagen as well as he created the MTV. Uh, logo and uh, I want my MTV campaign. George uh, uh, created that as well, and he's got a, a multitude of uh, of uh, campaigns that he created. And but more importantly, Ray, uh, if you have not heard, and you know this, and I know this, if you have not heard George live or on the radio, right. this guy is probably. And you tell me, Ray, uh, the most colorful, exi- exciting, imaginative mm-hmm. guys that yeah. we've ever had on the show. Yeah, exactly. And we've got him two weeks, not just one. Two weeks uh, two weeks in a row. What, are we we'll putting him it. up at a hotel or something? Well, we couldn't get it all in during one show. We know this because yeah, we've right. gone to a podcast format now. But uh, he used to fill two hours worth of uh, oh, yeah, worth of our program and, and do it with us uh, just occasionally participating. We're going to get George a Porsche Cayman Coupe for for the holidays here. That'd be uh, nice. From American Express. Did you see that? Uh, American Express is doing something. It's called the com. And seriously, for, a Porsche Cayman Coupe is normally around 49.4, uh, but if you're lucky, you can buy it for from American Express for about five grand. <laughs> Not what? used. Yeah, it's it's uh, two weeks after, which which is going on right now, after the 28th, uh, the credit card mm-hmm. company selling similar hot items to 75.6 million U.S. cardholders at unheard of prices through the website, as we said, the holiday wish list. Dot com. 
Uh, basically, Is it some kind of sweepstakes or something? I, or? I don't really know. It's, uh, yeah. It says it's like Black Friday. We're creating the frenzy and the excitement of the holidays and giving our card members the opportunity to buy highly sought-after items. Hmm. Uh, and uh, the company is also uh, clearly hoping to bolster the ranks of the affluent membership, which has an average annual household income of about 100 grand a year. Wow. And, uh, so that's, that's what they're doing. So if you want to find out more about that, about what American Express is doing, this was in Business Week. Uh, and uh, But if you go to the holidaywishlist.com, and that is the holidaywishlist.com, that's the place you go, so find out more about well, that. I'll be visiting right after the show. Five grand for a Porsche? Yeah. Wow. I think, too. I, I think I'd like one of those. Yeah, no I wonder kidding. what kind of car Patrick Meyer drives. He probably drives the 49.5 version, I would imagine. Patrick I'm... Meyer here is on the advertising <laughs> show. Here he is. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. If you're in an advertising agency and you're change resistant or you've been on Madison Avenue for 50 years and you think everything should stay the way it's always been, then you may want to turn the volume down for the next minute or so. Because today I'm going to talk to you about what I call the new age agency or new agency. This comes right out of the DNA of chief marketing officers and what they think and feel now. Agencies doing a jump ball where they invite five agencies in to all work on creative, pay them a token fee, and take the best. Another example, having an online agency doing the bulk of your creative because you're going out in digital forms online, into cell phones, and in many cases extending out into outdoor print and other places where it began with online. Agencies looking for leaner teams, SWAT teams, where you pay for the creative bench strength and you're not paying for the rest. Or another example, marketing mix experts, a new form of discipline focused on the ROI, but looking at the mix and using tools to evaluate it. The solution is all about ideas and new go-to-market mode. The ideas doesn't matter where they come from. Clients will take an idea from any source, internally, externally, a core idea that they can work with. That's what it's all about. And it's about an agency that goes to market in a whole different way. It's speed to market. It's creative ideas that are big and can be extended out both online, offline, and into new technology. And it's also people that can think out of the box and think about driving the business, not just reaching frequency, but driving the brand and driving sales every day. That's what clients are looking for. So here's what you might want to do. If you're in an agency, think a different way. Try and be part of a team that delivers this. If you're in a client environment, start looking for those resources that help you get there. If you're thinking about starting your own company, keep this in mind because it's all about a different go-to-market model and delivering big ideas rapid fire. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. And remember, George Lois is coming uh, to the show for two weeks in a row beginning uh, next weekend. Uh, at theadvertisingshow.com. A great uh, great website, and, of course, it's powered by a technology called uh, Tendency. That's with an I, not a Y. And uh, that's a company out, out of the Houston market, our Houston market, and it's called Shipple. Ed Shipple and his gang do a great job. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L. Uh, dot com. So that's uh, that's what we have for you. Yeah, and you know, you were mentioning uh, Porsche, and uh, as if people that drive Porsches aren't annoying enough, right? Now, owners of Porsches are being offered the opportunity to name their own cars. A site called Name Your Porsche or Porsche mm-hmm. is uh, offering the lettering of your choice in the same font that appears on the trunk of the Porsche. Uh, you now, uh, so you so where it normally would say. Uh, uh, 
Cayenne or Turbo or Carrera or Boxster. It has your name. It would say, thanks, Daddy, or... <laughs> what a great idea. Uh, not least, or follow me, or Ray, or, or Brad, or Laura, or whatever. I like that. Or Kathy, if you got your wife one. Yeah. But by the way, uh, the five-letter nameplate's $450. I sh- surely you can afford that if you can afford a Porsche. I would think uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And Get by the two, way, one Ray... One for the front, they, one for the back, okay? They make a note that they will not put any uh, names on Hondas, so you're out. <laughs> but I have a Nissan. Oh, no, I'm we sorry, do have Nissan. one Honda. That's fine. Okay. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's funny. We've got to, you know, I've got a, a, 10 marketing friends to watch in 07. I want to talk about that next the next time on the show as well. It talks all about the, you know, Asian population growth, affluent working women, college grads, and so on and so forth, too. It's pretty cool. It's in the, the MSNBC.com uh, article. Uh, yeah, I saw that. A week or so ago. Yeah. So I uh, look forward to, uh, to checking out George Lois's brand new book. Ali Rap Muhammad Ali, the first heavyweight champion of rap. I know you want to do that accent one more time. I'm going to float like a butterfly. There you go. Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. And uh, visit them online at adage.com. The Advertising Show. It's a big radio midgets production. <laughs>